Amen. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. And uh, 1st of January. And uh, we're going to take a little journey tonight. Who's, who's ready for a journey? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus. We're going on Exodus. <laughs> Exodus chapter 17. A while back, we were in a meeting, and uh, we started talking about it. Myself and Mornay and a few other, I think MC, you were in that meeting. Francois, some of you guys will know some of the things that I'm saying here. But uh, I felt the Lord stir this word really as, as a word for us as the, at the beginning of this year. And uh, I would l- encourage you to go actually read this whole portion of Scripture again when you get home today or tomorrow sometime in the week and do a thorough study on it. I'm going to try and stick with what the Lord has laid on my heart from this. We're going to go through some stuff. There's some nuggets in there. Make notes. Uh, I always talk about a takeaway, you know, it's good that you have a takeaway of what the Lord is saying to you tonight as well. So the interesting thing that we see in the book of Exodus, and we know that the Israelites have just come out of an actual fact, they literally two months out of Egypt, literally two months out of Egypt, and their trip has started into the desert, and Verse 1 of chapter 17 says this very interestingly. It says, all the congregation of the people, not just some of them, all of them, of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin. And I'll talk about that right now as well, what that means. By stages, according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The first thing I want us to know tonight is the whole congregation moving in stages. What does that mean? And I, the word here is the word massa. And this word actually means a total uprooting. This is not a casual traveling. And I'm just going to go to a destination and come back again. This is literally lifting up your tents. The whole congregation is moving forward. And I want to start off right in the beginning of this year and say, we need you all on board. We need you all to move as the Spirit says, as God commands. Not, not just us as leaders. We, we're obviously under shepherds and listening to what the voice of the Holy Spirit is saying to us. But ultimately, we need to listen to what God says and what He commands. And the whole congregation moved in stages. It means to pull out the tent pegs, to break camp, to set out on a journey. And it, the whole idea behind it is, is of a group of people that, have, that gather up all their immovable property. And also, don't, don't settle. Don't settle with the things. I felt the Holy Spirit say this as well this year. Don't just get gemakkelijk. You know what that means, eh? Gemakkelijk. Hey. Don't just get to that point where you just want to rest. And, and I'm going to get to rest. And I'll tell you what rest really is as well. Because they're moving to a place of rest really in all of this. It's a permanent move. This is not, this is something that God is commanding and 
so the journey started, and if you look on the map, I actually wanted to bring you guys a map so that you could see it. So they went to a place called Mara. Who knows what Mara means? Bitter. It means bitter. So they get to this place in the middle of the desert, straight out of Egypt, and they get to this place called Mara, where God does a miracle for them. In actual fact, it's the time where God heals something. They see God's healing power because he heals the bitter water and makes it sweet again. The next town that they move to is a place called Elam. It's the next town that they get to or the next city or the next destination that they have. And this place, Elam, means uh, uh, something like hundreds of palms. It's really an oasis. And this is a place where God starts providing for his people. God is providing for his people. See, this, this place, Mara, I want to get back to Mara quickly. It, it kind of carries the sense in that the extremities that we go into, the difficult situations that you might face in 2023 is God's opportunity to show himself strong. And you must remember throughout this journey, this is God's command. They led by Moses, absolutely, but it's God's command. And if you listen to the voice of God and you uproot everything and you move together, there's provision, there's healing, there's everything that you need within that. So it's God's opportunity to show himself faithful, to show himself good, to show himself kind towards each one of us. So God led them to Rephidim, and the word Rephidim means rest or places of rest. So God wanted his people to get from Mara to Elam, and he, at Elam, he, he, he supplies them with quails and manna. You can read that. It's quite, a, quite intense how God supplies these things, and he tells them certain rules, don't take too much of this. Take a little bit. You can use it. You can mix it. In actual fact, they say it looked like snow outside. And they can make cakes with it to nourish them. And it's God's way of provision. God knew all along this journey what would happen. And so it is with your lives and my, and my life. So it is with each one of us. That God knows along the journey of our lives exactly what's going to happen. Nothing is going to catch God, God off guard in 2023. Nothing. Heaven does not go in a flat panic if something happens to you. It doesn't. There's not a mad scramble amongst the Trinity where, where Jesus is, is saying, did you see that? Holy Spirit, what happened? No, no, no. We serve an omnipotent God that knows everything. So God leads them to this place. I want to ask you a question this evening. Who is your leader in your day-to-day -day journey by stages? 
Who is your leader that's asking you to uproot sometimes and move? Are you following the promptings of the Holy Spirit every single day? Are you listening to Him when He tells you to maybe go pray for somebody or supply somebody's need or do something out of the ordinary? So, Elam, it's a, an actual fact, Elam means a place of strong trees. So we see that God is feeding them there and He's leading them by a place called the wilderness of sin. And it actually means nothing, the word sin in English. It's just, it's the area that it's in. The area of Sinai, the mountain. It's just an area. But I want to tell you what a, uh, a wilderness is in the Bible. Because God speaks often about the wilderness experiences. And it's, a, it's an area for intense experiences. An actual fact, in the book of, I think it's in Hosea, he says that God will lure you into the wilderness to speak tender mercies to you. Sometimes God will bring you into a place of bitter water to teach you something. Bring you into a place, different situations might happen to you. And I want to tell you that it's all within the providence of God. God's totally in control of that. There's not a thing that Satan can do in this world that God does not orchestrate. Hear me out. God's in charge, not Satan. You can come fight me on that theologically. <laughs> Satan is no contest. He's a created being. He needs to operate within limits. The book of Colossians is very clear about it, that he made... Jesus on the cross made a public spectacle of Satan and led captivity captive. God is in control of your life. He's in control in 2023. He's in control today. I think it was R.C. Sproul that said this. He said, if there's one molecule that's out of place right now in the universe, we are doomed. God upholds everything in the palm of his hand. Everything. It looks like you guys are not believing me on this. I'll have to prove it. Let's do it. Let's get into it. The wilderness is always a place of intense experience. Like Elijah, for instance, where he needed food and water. Moses, the many encounters that he had with God. So from that place of the wilderness of sin, they moved to Rephidim, the resting place. But along the way, there's two more places that I want to show you out of Numbers chapter 20, uh, 33, verse 12 to 14. If we can read that, Numbers. Moses is giving a full account of the travels. And they set out from the wilderness of sin and camped at Dovka. And they set out from Dovka and camped at, Al at Alush. And they set out from Alush and camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. Again, no water. It's another test, this. But these two places that they stopped at is very significant in their names. The word dovka means to knock out or beat. The word alush means to knead as dough. 
And Rephidim means rest or to spread out or to support. And this sounds like a baker. Sounds like a divine baker that's busy working with dough. Preparing his people for something great. God is very meticulous about what he's doing in your life. I want to say that to you today. This is God is preparing his people. So you must allow him to take you through Dovka, Alush, and into Rephidim. You must allow him to take you through these stages sometimes in your life. Because God is preparing something beautiful, like a baker is preparing a pie or cookies or something. You know, who, who likes to bake? You've got to beat that. I mean, I've seen, you know, like, that dough. You, you, you've got to knead it. You've got to. You've got to work with it. Then you spread it out and let it rest. And, and, and you work with it again. And that's exactly what God wants to do with each one of us this year. Allow the divine baker to work with you and make beautiful cookies from you. <laughs> Serious. That's what he wants to do. He wants to make a beautiful creation out of each one of you. So then they get to this place called... Rephidim, but again, there's no water. Now, at least at Mara, there was bitter water that God could sweeten. But there was no water at all in Rephidim, and the people grumble. So typical us. It's not like they haven't seen the hand of God move in their lives already in the last two months in the desert. But here they moan again and they grumble again. And they say, well, there's no water. In actual fact, it says um, in verse 2, Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there, and the rock of Horeb, you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. In the center, you guys can be, each one of us can be in the center of his will and still be in the center of a trial. We can still be in the center of a trial, and they are Right now, again, they come to a place that they don't know. They've never been there. And again, they are grumbling against Moses and say, why did you lead us out of Egypt? At least we had something there. My friends, there's nothing in the world that I want to return back to. There's nothing in the world. Because within this travel, this journey, this walk with Jesus... There's always the provision of God. Always. A few weeks ago, I preached on that sometimes we find grace in weird places. Perplexing places. Sometimes it is the doctor. Sometimes it is the nurse that looks after you. But yet God is always 
there. I've got this friend. She's, she's probably going to listen to this preach. She's been going through a very rough time. So it looks like she gets strokes, but she doesn't get strokes. It's like it's got to do with the veins or something like that into the brain. And she blacks out and she falls. And she was alone at home. And she blacked out one day and fell into the swimming pool. And she said when she came by, there was nobody to help her, but she was outside of the pool. She testified about it now this morning on her Facebook page. She wrote about it. Now, I'm telling you, who did that? How did that happen? How did that happen? She's not in the best space in her life. It's not the best place to be. But yet, God, we've got to always remember God in everything. And this is where we should stop grumbling and look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We do not want to underestimate this situation. This is a tough situation they are in. Okay, let me picture this. Picture this. This is a serious trial. They're in a desert. Okay, they have no water. Who's been in a desert without water? Okay. Hey, was you all op a bike geweest? Gestrand. And drink you water out of tank it I drink you water out of tank it. See, at Rephidim, there was no water at all. And they must learn to trust the provision of the Lord for their needs. This was not an accident as if God had made a mistake in leading them by the pillar of cloud and by fire by night. It wasn't a mistake that God made to lead them there. And aren't we like Israel so often, many times? God is clearly leading us step by step, and yet in our self-centeredness, we are so blinded that we cannot see the pillar of fire by night. See, this was God purposefully and providentially directing Israel into a difficult trying situation. And why was he doing this? Why is God doing some of these things? And one reason was that they could understand the power and the provision of, in times of stress, in times of need. That they could understand God's power and God's provision. And this is a lesson I believe that each one of us need to learn. And so clearly sometimes God allows testing circumstances in our lives that, we, that He might test us. And how do we respond to that? That's my question tonight. Do we respond like Israel? How do we respond? Why did God lead Israel into a place with no water? So that he can bring us into a place of need. That we need him and only him. So that we will call upon him in our weakness. And in that moment. And, we'll be glory, and he will be glorified when he delivers us. It's all about his glory. That God can show himself strong in the midst of our trial and our tribulation. Listen to this in Psalm 50 verse 15. If we can read that quickly. And call upon me in the day of trouble. 
I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. But we want to murmur and we want to grumble and we want to blame somebody. Let's blame the elders. Let's blame my comm leader. Let's blame the deacons. Let's blame somebody. How did we get here? Maybe we should just call upon the name of the Lord in our day of trouble so that he may be glorified. But the crux of today's message, and this is really what I want to get to, is really in verse 8 to verse 16. Let me read this. Let's read this together quickly. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. What did I say is Rephidim? Rest. Place of rest. Okay. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, uh, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands, hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed. I wanted to, there's another, there's another term I wanted to use there. Really did that to him. Amalek and his people with the sword decimated them. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. And the hand, and saying, a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So what I want to get to is this, the story not only does God give them water in Rephidim, but he also gives them victory over the enemy. God was demonstrating to the nation that he is capable not only of nourishing them, but also protecting them. And God will show you that this year, I believe, that he's not just a nourisher, but also a protector. That he wants to protect you this year. And whatever you're going to go through, that the Lord is always with you. He will never leave you and never forsake you. Then came Amalek. And Amalek was a descendant of Esau. Go read up on Amalek. It's quite an interesting guy, this, and his, and his hordes. Um, and fought with Israel at Rephidim. The first question I want to ask here is, we need to ask ourselves is, where does the enemy attack? Where does the enemy attack? Well, at the place of rest. <laughs> Sometimes when you're in that place of rest, that's when the enemy will come in. At the place of rest. A place of rest is a place where you find Jesus, his presence. He's a person. Come all to me who are heavy laden and find rest. Jesus. When I find Jesus, I truly find rest. 
So the enemy will come at a place where you're at rest, at Rephidim. And the second question I want us to ask ourselves is, when is then? It starts with, then Amalek came. When is then? When does the enemy attack? Well, the, straight after a miracle happened. The Lord just gave them water. We just read it. And God gave them water at Horeb, out of a rock. Straight after, sometimes your biggest miracles will happen. The enemy will come and attack you. So be aware. Almost felt like the Holy Spirit wants to warn us this year. First of January. Be careful. And then something else to note is this. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 17 to 19, if we can put that up. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you came out of Egypt. How he attacked you on the way when you were faint and weary and cut off your tail. Those who were lagging behind you and he did not fear God. In other words, Amalek came from the back. Amalek attacked him from behind. He didn't come full frontal. Satan's not going to come from the front. He's usually going to come from the back. He's going to come sneakily. Okay. That's his strategy. I want to say to you that Amalek personifies evil. In actual fact, that's why God says he will destroy it from generation to generation. Personifies evil. And he deceives he brings doubt. That is what he brings. And Revelation chapter 12 verse 9 says this. Talks about him. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. The deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. He's a defeated foe. But he has power to deceive. And that's what he will try and do. See, I told you that two months in, this attack happened. These guys were one of the power, most powerful races in the peninsula at that stage. None of the Israelites fought before this. Not a single one. Moses is asking Joshua, go find some men that can fight. This ook lachwekkend vir my gewees, toe ek het gelees het. It was, my God, really? These folks are outnumbered. They know nothing. This is a pagan race that's hating the Israelites. They're the most powerful in the peninsula right now. And they're coming from behind, attacking God's people. Who wants to be in a situation like that? I do. I do. Because God can show himself strong. I'm weak and he's strong. That's what I realized is that, that these oaths could do nothing in themselves to show themselves powerful. Nothing. They had to trust everything that God is saying to them. They had to do everything that God told them to do. They were utterly dependent on him. See, this is the first attack out of Egypt. 
And then verse 9 says this, tomorrow, Moses is saying this, I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua is in the valley and Moses is on the hill. And we see here a principle that is in all and both of the testaments throughout the Bible. We see the principle of divine sovereignty, God's sovereignty, but also human responsibility. We see what God is going to do, but we also see Joshua that was fighting in the valley, putting his hand to the, to the sword. And God says, as long as this is happening, you guys will be winning. See, God's part and our part are mysteriously linked. And it's interesting that in Exodus 17 verse 5, God told him this. He says that um, Moses, to take in your hand your staff. But if you remember in Exodus chapter 4, just before the plagues, that Moses, God asked him this. He said, what do you have in your hand, Moses? He says, well, I have a staff. This staff is very significant, and this is the crux of the story today, this sermon today. Is he says to him, throw down that staff. And then he says to him, pick it up. And from that moment, it was not known as the staff of Moses anymore. It was known as the staff of God. Somehow God decided to use a simple staff as a sign of his presence, all of a sudden, this thing becomes a sign of victory. And this is the very banner, and we'll look at it now. This is the banner of victory that God showed them. And I want to say this. God is asking you maybe today, that personal staff, that Shepherd's staff, you know, that it, throw it down. Lay down what you can do. Lay down what you know. Lay down what you think is right and allow God to work in and through you. Submit to the purposes and the plans of God. It is, after all, the thing that will prevail. God's purpose will always prevail. The Bible is very clear. It says in Proverbs, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that will prevail. So here's the thing. We have this situation happening. We have guys fighting in the valley. And we have a guy standing on a hill with a staff in his hand. And when that thing drops, they lose. When it raises, he wins. They win. And he gets tired. Because we also want to do things in our own effort, don't we? And at one point, they all see it as this happening. And we need support. But there's two men on both of these sides that is very significant. Her and Aaron. That's standing on both sides. So Moses' outstretched arms, perhaps is signifying an appeal to God. It's like prayer. Some people say it's like prayer. His hands raised with the staff or the rod above his head. Now this rod has now become the Lord is my banner. Now 
I was just as surprised as, as you most probably that because we always think banners are like these massive pieces of cloth that we stretch out. But this is the banner right now that God is showing His power through. Because it became the staff of God. He calls it the staff of God. And as Moses raised this banner, there's a victory. That's what it is all about. Is that the Lord is your banner. The Lord is my banner. If we raise that banner, if we allow that banner. But I want to show you how do you raise this banner. And the banner is raised by the two men on the side. Her and Aaron. Now her's name means this. It means liberty or freedom. And Aaron means strong teacher or light bearer. That's what it means. So what's the lesson for each one of us in 2023 as I come to a close? We must learn dependence on the Lord for victory. Even though the enemy will sometimes attack us from behind in a place where we are sometimes in rest. He will blindside you with doubt and he will come against you with fear. And he will try and deceive you even in a place of rest. And we need to be utterly, utterly, utterly dependent on God. But he also desires our cooperation, our participation in 2023. It's not just let go and let God just do it for me. There is something of that God wants to, for us to participate in this as well. The Lord is our banner of victory. But sometimes we need to remember this. And for those who worship, and, and, and worship is really going to be the key this year. Those who worship the Lord aright must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, if you will allow me, and theologians amongst us can call me tomorrow. But I'm going to use a little bit of license here. Little bit. Her signifies liberty and freedom. And where there's freedom, the Spirit of the Lord is. Bible says. So her is a demonstration for me of the Spirit. And Aaron signifies truth because he is a light bearer, he is a teacher. So it is he to exalt the Lord through teaching. And correct doctrine. To be a light bearer. So in other words, there's these two poles. Uh, I can't have both my arms up. I need to speak in this. You have these two poles. Word and you have spirit. You have truth and you have spirit on both sides. With the banner of the Lord. So as we exalt Him. As we lift Him up. He will be my banner. That's the place where, where, where it's happening. It's in that place where we where we have spirit and we have word and truth. The Lord is lifted up. Aaron and her raising Moses' hands and the banner of victory, the rod in between. So here's the lesson for us. It wasn't just a lesson for the Israelites. We cannot worship God unless we worship Him in spirit and in truth. We cannot worship God if we are not in utter dependence of him if you are not depending on him then we cannot worship him because he called us to be dependent on him
totally. He only wants worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you're going to worship him, worship him like this in this year. John chapter 3 verse 13. Ultimately, the one that was lifted up. And as Moses lifted up the serpent, that's another story in the, in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus was lifted up for you and for me. He is the banner that is over us already. Jesus became the ultimate banner of deliverance and victory. And when you come under attack by Satan, by other people, you need not defend yourself, but stand under the banner of Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my victory. When you find yourself struggling with temptation in 2023 and the power of evil, stand on, you need to stand under the banner. You need to raise up the banner over your life in 2023. So let us declare the Lord is our banner over 2023. The Lord is my victory.